Welcome to On The Journey, stories for leaders and aspiring leaders. This is your host, Leo Rodriguez. I'm very excited about bringing you a little preview of what this podcast is all about. Behind it, there is a very simple idea, and it is to give you an honest inside view into the experiences of leaders who are in the trenches that are executing and deploying high levels of leadership today, just like you and me. On the Journey is a platform for them to share and for you to learn how they are traversing that journey. And I want to do this by exploring specifically their transition points, whether they were an account executive or an individual contributor and they moved into a leadership role for the first time, or as they progressed into higher levels of leadership in their careers. Through honest, no-holds-barred conversation, I will explore their motivations, their preparation, their mindset, who their mentors were, frameworks, mistakes, thoughts, and advice. So you can put them into action on your own journey. If you're a leader or an aspiring leader, you'll have a first row seat to my guest experience, almost like if you can join me and together we can pick the brains. So are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to On The Journey. Enjoy. Welcome to episode seven of On The Journey, Stories for Leaders and Aspiring Leaders. This is your host, Leo Rodriguez, and we have today another special one because I got to record almost two hours of content with Greg Peters. Greg Peters is a great friend and colleague whom I met at Altrix. I keep going to the Altrix experience for my guests. Greg started his career at Business Objects and that got bought by SAP. He spent quite a bit of time there. Then he went to be director of pre-sales at Tableau where he continued honing his leadership style transitioned to Altrix as the senior vice president of customer success and ultimately became the chief customer officer at Incorda. Greg gives a masterclass in humane leadership. Most of my guests before talk a lot about frameworks and how our career in sales and in customer success and, and solution engineering is, is very metrics driven, is, is very focused on, on performance. And Greg turns the tables, gets really close and personal, gets really deep and vulnerable on his humane leadership style. There are a few things that he, I'll highlight here that he shares. The first one is one of his mentors gave him permission to be human permission to be human. That was a highlight of the of the episode. The second one is how he is very conscious when he's talking to his people and he's giving feedback that everybody's fighting battles that you know nothing about and how to be conscious and attentive to that. He also quotes Colin Powell saying the side with the best leaders wins and how important it is to select your first line leaders when you're a second line leader. And he goes very deep on the importance of giving feedback, how to give feedback, how to giving constant feedback is a critical part of leadership and not doing it negatively impacts the team and the culture. These are but just a few points of this extremely content heavy episode. I had to spend a lot of time editing this because I felt like every everything I took out, I was leaving a lot of value on the table, but ultimately I had to do it. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. You learn as much as I did. 
enjoy this new episode of On the Journey. I have with me today uh, a dear friend, a esteemed colleague. We haven't talked for a long time. Uh, life took us through different paths, but I'm I'm so happy to to have Greg Peters with me today. Uh, Greg and I met at Altrix. Welcome to the show, Greg. Thank you, Leo. It is it was so great to hear from you, and um, it, it just it's always seemingly those just times when people reach out, you reach out. And it's always the people that left, you know, an impact on me that I really respect. And, and I absolutely love working with you from the day I met you. And so it's Same. an honor. Say no. To me, the honor is all mine. And we'll talk a little bit about what this podcast is. But um, I always like to start with an impression of the guest when we work together, right? And if, if I get to summarize my interactions with you um, over the you know time that we worked together at Altrix was the, the phrase that comes to mind is servant leadership. Um, I cannot remember a time where you pushed back on any request or in anything that we talked about. And I had a small region back then. I typically don't get a lot of, uh, a lot of support when you're managing a, an international market. But every time that you and I talk, it's like, brother, what's happening? right? What do you need? And you always put resources. So for the audience and for me, where, where did that come from? Where, where did that servant leadership comes from? You know, I, I, I really appreciate you saying that and do take that dearly. And I, that means a lot to me. You know, I, I always thought my fundamental belief is I never ask anyone to do something I'm not prepared to do myself, you know? jumping under the table, you know, it's funny. I was at Hildebrandt once and we were in, uh, somewhere in Sao Paulo and yeah. had to hook up a projector or whatever. And Hilde's like, I got, I got it, you know, and I'm crawling down on my knees in a suit. Like, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, plugging a projector, Hilde. Like, what do you, he's like, I can't believe you would do that. I'm like, Hilde, I'm actually more offended than you think I want to do something like that. And it, I think of over my career, you know, we all have, Great leaders or great leaders, bad managers. There is a big difference, right? Yep. Yeah. You can learn from the great ones, but I think there's more to learn from the less desirable ones, right? And there's a number of times in my career and I would think about those not so great ones and I would say, what would they do? And I would do the opposite. <laughs> it is something yeah. I thought about. I firmly believe I don't ask anyone to do something I'm not prepared to do myself. Yeah. yeah and that, that's a big learning. And, and it's not by chance that you've managed organizations that are internal and external service organizations, right? So organizations that provide support within the organization, either to customers and, and to sales. And, you know, I cannot tell you how many times working with your organization, you know, we needed we needed something last minute, and and your organization always came through. So, let's 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 take the time machine back to the beginning of your leadership career. Um, talk to me and the audience a little bit about your first leadership role. How that happened was a tap on the shoulder. Was something that you seek out? Um, tell me about it. Why did you become a leader? God, it goes way back. I remember. You know, I had started at Business Objects back in the day, and this is before Crystal Acquisition and SAP, and I was in services. 
And one day a good friend of mine and, and mentor back then said, you should think about coming to the dark side. And I'm like, dark side? What's the dark side? He's like, pre-sale, <laughs> right? And I'm like, ah. And I was stepping over and I had gone through the ranks and services through principal consultant and all that. And as I was going over to pre-sales, there was a, a manager position opened up. And I had been in management and services, more of an engagement practice manager, real small teams. And I decided, you know, I'm going to interview for this. And I did. I stepped into it. And it was my first entrance. And I had, at the time, I thought he was the devil boss. He had some very unconventional ways of going about stuff. He used to jokingly, you know, pride himself on the disc scale of, of or on a, on, a, on a personality scale of being a solid red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The blue, he's like, I'm red. But he taught me a lot too. Yeah. And, you know, I remember when I had stepped into it, I struggled a little bit. Like any first time manager, and I tell any first time manager, it's totally normal to fill out of sorts. You know, you're trying to, to figure out, I, I use the analogy, right? And I find using analogies with, with people helps take you out of the moment, right? Yeah. Where you're like, I don't want to do that. It's like, so I use the analogy. I go, think of you're stepping into leadership like this. You, you're walking up to a swimming pool. It's completely black. You can't see the bottom. You can't see the steps. You know, they're there, but you got to find the steps. So you don't fall in all the way. You're going around kind of dipping your toe to find your place in, the, in, in leadership. And so I stepped into it and there's a lot of lessons learned there. And, um, I found it rewarding and I can talk about the journey there of at one point, you know, I'd gone through some life changes and father had passed away and I was really not in a good spot. Right. I was way back and I said, you know, I want to do me now. I don't want to be in leadership anymore. And I stepped out and I went into a specialist role and all the managers every now and then, like, what if I step out? You could totally do that. But I asked them, why are you, are you, what's your away and what's your towards? Are you running from something? Cause if you're running from something, it'll never go away. But if you're running towards an opportunity, let's talk about that. But I went back into just, you know, a single individual and I had got to a point where, and I tell my team this, like, I think honesty, integrity and tell them the real story because you know, I talk to a number of leaders and they'll say, I just, how do you get, why are people connected to you? And I was like, get to know them. And I'll, uh, I get to know everybody, learn everybody's name. And I remember at Altrix, I had a, it was one of the kickoffs. And at the time on, on the global team was there, I don't know, 150, 160 or so. And I stood at the door with, um, uh, my boss at the time, and I absolutely love the guy. We're great friends still. And everyone that came in said hi and knew everybody's name. And he was right. like, how the hell do you know 150 people's names and where they're from in little moments? I go, because it matters. Yeah. It matters. Yeah. And, and it, it really takes the time to get to know people. But I stepped out of leadership of business objects, did me – and I found myself almost 10 years there 
And it's a funny story. I don't encourage it, but I got myself, you know, if you've been somewhere for so long, you know the job so well. Yeah, yeah. It's I like can relate. Control. And I'll tell you what I learned from that, but I was sitting there and an old neighbor of mine was over and ironically enough, he was a paramedic and mm. I was on the call with a customer and there was probably 20 people on the line and I was going over a deep architecture review and I was playing a video game and I didn't skip a beat and they were happy to get off the call and my neighbor who's a paramedic is, you are my hero. How the hell did you multitask like that? Play the tense video game and not skip a beat. And in the moment, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I went to sleep and I woke up and I'm like, Greg, what are you doing? You're so complacent now. You're not growing. You're not learning. So what are you going to do about it? And I, I resigned after that and went through, you know, a few interesting companies and probably the worst job I ever had. Mm-hmm. And a good friend of mine an ex-boss from Business Objects, Nigel Stubley, love the guy, and I attribute a lot of, learned a lot of things from him. And call him up one day, and I was talking to him, and he's like, oh, you're looking for a job? You are? I go, yeah. He goes, okay, we're, you're going to do da, 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 da. we're hiring for solution architect or whatever. This is Tableau pre-IPO. And right. talk to him, and he's like, okay, you're you know, it, it's a done deal. I just wanted you to talk to the team. He ran all of customer success. And it was a Friday, funny enough, and he calls. He goes, so I know you're starting on Monday, and I actually need a pre-sales leader in the West. I know you you got out of leadership. You don't want to do but I trust you. I know you. And you're actually going to be the pre-sales manager in the West starting Monday. And I was like, oh, he's like, I'll talk to you later. Click. And I was like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> Completely change your job description before you even started. Right? And I had gotten out of leadership with him and I got back into it and I really, I started enjoying it again, like really enjoying it, building teams and culture and getting to know people. And we had the tightest knit team in the West and everybody was on board. It was like, foot on the gas, afterburners on, and yeah. I would have my peers, how's your team? Like, why, why are you so tight? How's the team so tight? Why do they do everything? I'm like, I don't know. Like, hire good people. Treat them right. Be, you know, be one of them. Work with them. And I was, interestingly enough, asking Maybe this is like going too far in the journey, but no, um, no, you're good. You're good. We, we're gonna we're gonna go back because you're telling like probably five stories all stitched together so that I wanna that I wanna I deconstruct. Know. But I I think you're you're dropping so many nuggets that I'm not stopping you. Go ahead. I get real passionate about this stuff and helping people, and you know, there's lessons learned along the way. You know, when someone's struggling and not doing well. You got to do something about it. You got to learn to give them the feedback. A lot of leaders struggle with giving people feedback. Yes. Really, you're only doing them harm and injustice without giving them the feedback, constructive feedback, because maybe they don't know what they're doing wrong. Mm -hmm. Your job as a leader is to help them. Now, you give them the feedback. It's up to them what they do with it. But if, if they don't move along... You know, you, and you got to take action because what I learned in that of 
giving someone chance and chance and chance and chance. And I'm a very people oriented, you know, forgetting I want to see the best in people. And sometimes people, you shouldn't see the best in them, even though I look for that little nugget. Yeah. What I realized was happening is when you let someone who's really consistently underperforming, under delivering, not really part of the team, you're really it, it, it's detrimental to the entire team because to the entire like, team. Yeah. Why does Leo get a good way of this? Well, yeah. I'm going to do that too. And so that's why it's, you can't look at it as, you know, you're picking on somebody proverbially, but it's not also not fair to the rest of the team and it destroys culture. And, you know, it's, it's, it's all part of the journey. And I'll pause there and let you ask yeah, questions. No, great, great stuff, Greg. Uh, I, I'm very hesitant to 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 give you, giving you a break, but it it sounds to me if I look at the at the beginning, right? So you mentioned you went into leadership, you got tap on the shoulder, you or or you went into it, and then you took a break. And my experience is that when you take a break, you're the things you know you let give time to things to settle. Uh, but when when you had that first leadership experience, you said you struggled a little bit at the beginning. What what was the struggle? What what would you tell people that is trying to get into leadership? What are they going to find that they're going to struggle? That is different from what is in your mind when you want to be a leader. Trying to find your way. Yeah. Right. Trying to find, you know, it's the old Kenny Loggins song, right? No end to hold them, no end to fold them, no end to <laughs> run, right? Yeah. And it's finding your way, finding your place. It's also learning to let go of and a lot of folks struggle with this where they're let's say they're the best pre-sales engineer ever they're the go-to person for everything and then they step into leadership and what's their default they go do all the work right exactly yeah each others and i i did that initially and it was like Hey, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. Can you go here? And it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like doing it. I like doing it. And that first boss, Brian Bela, I love the guy. We're still friends to this day. And he's like, Peter, what are you doing? Stop doing it. I put that. He's like, you're not helping your team. Yeah. You need to help grow. So you got to learn to let go of being the best pre-sales individual. If everybody sees you as the best individual contributor and you're the leader, then you're really not doing your job. Your job is to coach, develop, mentor, and make your team better. And lesson learned is you should just kind of fade into the background. You know, the I used to seek the in my early days and young was why don't I get the award? Why don't I get the why don't I get the record? Oh, I got the record. Yeah. I I I don't want it anymore. I don't need it. My reward is seeing my team's success, yes. them going above, them getting the awards, them being talked about. That makes me smile. It makes me smile when, you know, you, you coach someone and it takes a little while to come around and you just see that their faces one moment just kind of light up like, I get it. Yeah. And there's nothing more rewarding when somebody says, I get it now. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and it's an evolution. It, it's an evolution. And, and you see people that is very senior that have not made that transition. I mean, I'm sure you've found them in your career where they still, like you don't see a coach in football or a coach in baseball just jumping into the field and trying to bat or trying to make a pass, right? And But there is a lot of people that haven't done made that that transition and part of their identity so is so much tethered to execution, right? And I think what you said, the three important things that you highlight, which is your role as a coach, as a mentor, and a, a, and developing your team is, is so, so important. Um, when when you went the second time around, the, you were hiring to Tableau, you had this West team that was so great. Um, how did you establish credibility with the team? How did you build that spirit, the core um, obviously, you're very people oriented, but what what did you do tangibly that you saw impacting the team in that in that cohesivity in the team? It's a great question, I think. And first, uh, you know, some people think I want to be a manager. Want to be a manager, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, ask why, and I hear some say, "Well, it's career path," and immediately I'm like, "No, it's not a career path. It's a choice." It's a duty to serve. And by the way, you're not a manager. And I would ask them, do you know the difference between leadership, between being a leader and being a manager? Well, this and that. And I say, well, effectively at a high level summary, a manager is, did you clock in at work today? Did you fill out your pre-sales metrics? Did you turn in your TPS report? You know, why are you sick? A leader is, someone that really helps develop and coach and mentor, provide direction and guidance. So, you know, what a lot, I think a lot of people struggle with that, but letting go, um, it's, it's a journey. It's a duty to serve, you know, building credibility. People Mm got to trust. You got to build trust. How do you build trust? It's like, if I didn't know you, it's like, Oh, Leo, you could trust me. It's like, you're like, why? Right. It's getting in the trenches with them. Mm-hmm. It's rolling up your sleeves. I took the time to learn the product. I got my certifications. I did demos with them. And I would go say, hey, I know you got this demo. Do you mind if I do it? I'd love you to watch me and then give me feedback on it. Like, seek feedback. And so they would watch me do these things. And I, again, I believe I'm, I'm prepared to do anything I ask someone to do, but that inherently helps build trust because they don't just see me as the proverbial sitting in the glass, you know, office barking right. out order. I'm taking the time to do the work and that helped build trust. Showing up, going on site with them, going to see customers. And when things go south, you don't leave them out there by yourself, by themselves. You show up with them, have their yeah. backs. And so it's all those things. And it can't just be a, oh, I did a demo once. Oh, I, it has to be consistent. And you can't expect someone to trust you overnight. It takes time. Absolutely. Yeah. Got to put in the work. And so I just inherently was doing that. I didn't do it with the intent of, you know, if you do something with intent, like to build trust, it's probably not going to work. I just did it because that's just me. And what I learned is I valued 
the leaders, the bosses that they did the work. They could do the work and not just bark out orders. Right. So I just I don't trust. No, I remember I remember clearly when we were at Altrix that you were the first to when a new certification was out, you were the first to do it. Your leaders were the first to do it. Um, you had like that was that was so clear from your team. Uh, you talked about giving feedback and how important feedback is. And if you're not giving feedback, you're doing a disservice. I, I totally believe that. Any 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 tricks or tips, uh, tricks of the trade on how to give feedback, how to open the conversation, take it and make it land from an yeah, experienced leader? It was I was in a, a leadership class, MAP training. I'm a big believer in, in MAP, Management Actions Program. It's kind of based on Howard Dresner. But generally, people know. And so... I usually would start the conversation with, hey, Leo, so how's it going? How are you doing? And first, it's like, you know, maybe you're having challenges in your life, and that's what's happening. And there's an old quote that I learned um, from really someone that was really inspirational to me, a tableau, Barry Sarwine. And he said, people have internal battles every day we know nothing about. Yes. kind Yes. And so maybe you've got things going on in your life and it's consuming you, right? And so it's taking the time like, hey, Leo, how are you doing? And that also inherently, it opens up the conversation where you're not on the defensive. Nobody likes it. It's like, Leo, you're doing a bad job. I think you probably would already know But If I start, Leo, you're doing a bad job, you're already like arms crossed on the defensive, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, how are you doing? So you also get to see how self-aware are they inherently. That's the side kind of benefit to it. And if someone's self-aware, it's much easier to coach them, right? And so if you say, well, you know, I've been struggling with this or struggling with that. Okay. We really have something to work with. And it's okay. You know, yeah. You know, I've heard some feedback from folks. Here's some specific examples. And that's always a challenge, especially with leaders, because, you know, I might get, let's say we're at Altrix, you tell me he's done some things and you're like, but don't say anything. And that's where I will push back on the person that's giving the feedback that it's like, okay, don't say anything or don't say if it's me, then how would you like me to coach them? Yeah. And it's like, also, I'll ask them, or I would ask you, like, hey, Leo, have you given this feedback to Hildy? Why have you given yeah. it to him? Right. You should feel empowered to do that and come from you. But if you don't, you know, I take it, I might give an example and do you kind of can work around it. You don't want to tarnish the trust of like you with me as well. So it can be, inter- be this interesting paradigm. And by the way, I'm convinced having been in leadership for so long, I think every leader should have a degree in psychology. <laughs> well, you end up you end up recognizing patterns that that you can apply moving forward. But yeah, I agree. There is a lot yeah. of understanding. Of you know, leadership, feedback, and coaching, it's not a one size fits all. Yeah. Meaning yeah. the way I coach you maybe entirely different to how I coach someone else. And that was a good lesson I learned um, at Altrix with different personalities. Um, 
and it can be a challenge, but giving that feedback, so it's, how are you doing? And it's, let me share with you. So it's kind of like the principle someone had taught me, and you can use it in any conversation with a loved one, a wife, a husband, kids. Number one rule, seek to understand. Yeah. How are you doing, Leo? What's going on? Seek to understand. The second part is provide a different perspective. It's like you tell me, well, I'm struggling with this. Okay, Leo, hey, I hear you that you're struggling with that. Let me share with you some feedback from my perspective, you know, as your leader and what I'm hearing. And then let you digest that. And inherently, you're not on the defensive. And it's always, you know, I'm like, I'm coming from a good place. I want you to be successful. This isn't, I want you out the door. I truly want you to be successful. Now, you got, you're either genuine or you're not. I can't fake it. Yeah. I just can't. Yeah. So you got to be genuine about it. And then it becomes, okay, so based on what you're saying and what you heard from me as your leader, how do you think you'd like to work on, you know, correcting this? So you give them an opportunity to have a say in their development, their improvement. And then it's okay. Those are great, but I'd also like to see this because you do have to give a bit of tough love. It's like, you know, my kids, they know they're doing something, but, you know, it's like, how do you want to fix it? And they say it, it's like, okay, that's great. I expect to see this, this, and this by this time and, and really mean it because otherwise it's just lip service. So it's, you got to give a little bit of tough, like I need to see this by then. And then, you know, it's, it's, so it's, it's moving them to see their own path and it ends up being a great mechanism for feedback. It's the, you know, the, the, the other old adage, it's like, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. No, absolutely. Absolutely. All there is yeah. lead them to the water and they willingly drink on their own. Yeah. Well, I, I like, uh, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but I like the, the fact that you close, you gave part two of something that is very known. And as a leader, I don't think there is a leader out there. And if, if there are, they're probably not doing their job that doesn't know that they need to provide feedback to their team and, and, and their people. But not every leader does part two, which you said is, okay, now that you have the feedback, it comes from a trusted source, which is your leader that is respected what do you do about it, right? So you mentioned two very particular things. There is a time frame, and there is an action or a goal, right, that needs to be achieved. And that's a fundamental part of leadership and, 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 and also management is there, there, there is a path towards something. We are in an organization to execute and provide performance. It's not just having a friendly conversation and you, you will improve on your own time. No, there is there is a path that you need to go to. So I, I like that you close that door because that's w one very typical mistake. I give feedback, somebody walks out, never is followed through, followed up. As a leader, you that's your job, right? It is absolutely your job. Yeah, the why is more important than the what. And yeah. I'll use the analogy with leaders. It's like, okay, Leo, say we're in the office one day and I'm, I'm your, your boss. And it's like, Leo, move that chair. Now, being your boss, you're going to do it, but undertone, you're like, man, that guy's a real 
special case. I just don't like him, right? Yeah, yeah. Versus I go, hey, Leo, would you mind moving that chair? Somebody tripped over it a few minutes ago, and I don't want to see anybody else get hurt. Yep. yep. Because you know the why. I get the same outcome, but two very different approaches. And I think Absolutely. some people mistake of, go do it. And I was like, you know, jokingly say it. I'm like, try to get you to, you know, see the way and do it with passion. We make no mistake. Sometimes, you know, if the CEO calls and says, hey, Peters, we got to get this done. It's like, hey, Leo, we got to do this. Like, let's figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's where the trust comes also. Sometimes you, you can be softer. But sometimes you need that connection, that bond to say, hey, we, we got to do this. I'll explain it later. We'll, we'll do it. Well, Greg, like, like all things, we're having a ton of fun. Can you believe we've been here for half an hour already on the podcast? And it's just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Love yeah. So, so, and we haven't even cracked your second line leadership career. But I know that Tableau was very special in your career. And there are, it's a compound question. I like compound questions, so you got to bear with me. So first of all is, you know, how, how important was Tableau in your leadership career, in building teams, in, in, in fostering teams? That's question number one. And question number two, I would have bet my salary that you're more, you're such a people person that the right question for you is not what books you read, what videos you saw, but who is the people that influence you? So you mentioned mentors early on in the conversation. And as you think about Tableau and Alteryx, which were two fantastic cultures, can you also mention what those key mentors were and what they left in your career? What, what contribution they made, right? So how important oh, was Tableau in your development? And then who, who made an impression? Oh man, there's some really great people I you know look up to, and and Tableau was really pivotal, and you know I did step into second line at Tableau, which we can talk about like challenges with that, but it was pivotal in the development of truly building this just a well-connected team and culture, and but one of the biggest things that I think has changed me forever was Barry Starline, and I love the guy, and we still talk to this day. And he went, he took a risk and brought in, um, I don't even want to call it a methodology because it's not that, but a program called um, um, Story Leaders. Mm. Now, who doesn't love a good story, right? But that wasn't kind of the, the, the foundation of it. It was about really connecting with people and Barry, he opened up the session and turned it over to the coach. And we were one of the first couple of teams to go into it. And he said, he goes, I don't want, this isn't another training. This isn't another training. This is, he goes, this is almost a therapy class for everyone. <laughs> and he's like, this class is really, it's giving you permission to be human and really learning to connect with others, like truly how to connect. And he goes, make no mistake. We got sales targets to achieve. That doesn't go away, but yeah. this is the right to be human. And you go through this, you're in a room with maybe some people you don't know. And I've actually gone and done the coaching for the public classes. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, I walk 
into a public class. Nobody knows anybody, 20 people in there. And they walk out like would move mountains for each other. And it was so pivotal because it was really sharing with someone like your story, like how you are, how you came to be, like what your journey was. And it's like being a leader is also being going first. And it's kind of based on the foundation of Brene Brown. If you ever read her books or listened to her, yep. I think she yep. really amazing. And it's like leadership takes courage. And, you know, no, no act of, you know, throwing yourself even in front of a bullet, that took courage to do that. It takes courage to be vulnerable. And vulnerability is strength. A lot of people perceive it as weakness. But to me, vulnerability is strength. And it takes courage to do that. But the class, you find yourself really understanding how somebody ticks and how you tick and, like, what motivates them, what hurts them. And you go out of that class and literally it would be like you would move mountains for anybody in there. And it was a great lesson about, you know, internal battles everyone people have that you know nothing about, be kind. But as humans, we strive and desire and need that human connection. So you got to get below that line because that's really where great things happen. That's why Tableau is so pivotal. And the other pivotal moment Love the guy is Nigel Sudley, who still friends to this day. And I reflect on this a lot and I tell other, you know, aspiring leaders that story where it's like, Nigel, what's my next steps? Yeah, you know, I'm in director, like, where do I go next? And he goes, Well, first, you gotta find what you're good at. And I'm like, What do you mean? He goes, it's not setting strategy. It's not, you know, building a PowerPoint. But what are you really good at that you're good at in life, you're good at in leadership? And there's something there. I'm like, huh? And he goes, I know what it is. And I go, tell me. And he goes, nope. You got to figure it out. on. And I say it jokingly, but I hated him for a while because like, <laughs> what is it? What is it? What is it? And I went on a journey for probably about a year and it wasn't like, oh, wow. it just, it just, I would rack my brain. Like, what is it? But it came in the form of breadcrumbs that I understood. And earlier, I remember I told you, I'd have peers come to me like, what are you doing to build such a great team? How do you get, how are all these people rock stars? And, you know, you've taken people that had, you know, more junior in their career and turned them into rock stars. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. So I was looking around at work, at, at work and I saw the team and then I started looking around at my personal life and a lot of my friends I would look at and I would think, hey, how do you know that person? Well, you introduced me to them. And I really like it. How do you know that person? Well, you introduced me to them. And what I learned was I thought I was really good at building teams, but I learned I was really good at, at being a connector and connecting people I was really good at. And then the second part of what Nigel asked me, he goes, you got to find what you're good at and then you got to find out what you love doing and try and marry those two. And then mm -hmm. after I found out what I was good at connecting and I was like, what do I love doing? That didn't take me as long. It came to me that 
it makes me happy to connect people. Right. It makes me yeah. be fulfilled to to see people introduce others and new avenues of life. And you know, I'm one. I still reach out to my very first boss. I worked at AT and T, and people that I see and I have like, and the most important thing to me is big heart. And Barry used to say, we hire people with big hearts. And the people that I really respect and admire that are truly selfless and I look up to them and I don't care who they are because you never know who somebody's going to be or who, it doesn't matter. So are they good people, you know, like, you know, Scott, I met Scott at Business Objects and him and I were first line managers. And I met him right. 20 years ago. And the only day we could meet was on a Saturday in August in Southern California. And it's hot. And I was thinking, oh, it's a sales guy. I better dress up in a suit. And I show up on a Saturday and it's hot and I'm sweating. Scott's sitting there in shorts, t shirt, and flip flops. He's like, Greg, I'm like, Scott, he goes, uh, okay, that's cool, but take the time to jacket off for making me nervous. And we became, you know, for 20 plus years. And he was just a first line sales manager. I didn't know he was going to be a CEO of a company one day or CEO, CRO at Altrix or CEO of a company. I just have really appreciated him. And yeah, you know, I had this, we had this moment at our last company and we were sitting in Egypt, you know, looking at, you know, the pyramids of Giza hotel and visiting customers. And it was just him and I. And he goes, who would have ever thought 20 years ago we'd be here together doing what we do? Yeah. And yeah. so old, so happy, just so like, yeah, never would have imagined it. And, Incredible. Um, Incredible. Yeah. People, finding I love doing it, that was a second part of the journey. And then there's a third part we could talk about later on and how it all comes together. But um, a lot of lessons. Anyway. No, that's great, and I lo I love a good cliffhanger. So so let's leave the third part before the end. So so talking about building a team, when you're building a team, you're a first line leader. You're much closer to the action. You can build those relationships with people. You can do that. You can do the demo and have them see you. You can get closer, right? But then then you step up to second line leadership or third line leadership. And how was that transition for you? How was that? Now you have people that is reporting to you. There are first line leaders. They're through their own struggles. What was, what did you have to rejiggle and readjust when you became a second line leader at Tableau? It was a struggle. Every time you go up, you become more removed from day to day things, and it plays an emotional, psychological toll on you trying to. Yet again, find your way. And, you know, you, you, you have to have, it's so critical that you have the right leaders in place. And yes. I mean, beyond critical, it's not just, hey, check, you know, you check these boxes, put them in place. But, you know, I, I listened to Colin Powell, my favorite, I, God, that man is, you know, he said, leaders are a force multiplier. Yes. And he said, he used an example, he goes, you know, in a time of a battle or war, the side with the best leaders wins, just like the side with the best supply chain has a dominating force. 
And leaders are a force multiplier. They're an extension of you and the team and the culture. And so it becomes imperative that you have leaders in place that embody the core values that, you know, of team culture and team oriented and, and truly like people leaders that, you know, that see it as a duty to serve, not a job. But it gets really hard because you want to like reach out all the time to the individual contributors. But if you do it yeah. too much, then you're kind of undermining, you know, your your leaders, you know, their respect of their direct leader and their authority. And then you can make your leaders, you know, feel, feel pretty crummy because it's like, why are you going to them? But yeah. you got to, you know, to a degree, an open door. My door is always open if you want you know, coaching and guidance, but I always make it clear if they ask me like, well, Hey, what do you, you know, here's what's going on today. We need to do, I go, you need to go talk to Leo about that. I'm happy to coach you and mentor and help develop you and give you some guidance and maybe high level ping some ideas. But when it becomes anything daily operational, you need to go talk to your leader because that way you're not undermining them at all because right. that can happen devastating effect but second line becomes a challenge because it's like you're walking up to that black swimming pool again and you don't know where to step and now you're even more removed from day to day it gets harder and every time yeah. you go up harder and harder and as i tell people moving into leadership i say right now you're not a leader you will be and today you know you have leo's problems and only leo's problems going on but now you step into leadership and guess what? You now have, you know, five, seven Leos under you. They each have their problems. And now you inherit five to seven people's problems. And yeah. so it's, yeah. and when you go up again and you have other leaders under you, you inherit everybody else's problems. But second line is, is a real challenge. I, I remember, I remember when I when I stepped in in second line or in, in even in first line is it it's a little bit overwhelming the first few months when you start like it feels like you're getting a wave of problems right that you didn't expect and it's almost like why do I have to deal with this right and 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 you gotta kind of train yourself or retrain yourself to process that separate prioritize uh, prioritization is critical. And also being able to push back is like that's, you know, we we can't take care of that and you know petty problems that you get. Um, I, I love the phrase "the side with the best leaders wins." I I absolutely believe in that. He, here's one of the big questions I typically make in this podcast, and I'm sure you're going to ace it. But when you think about a person you trust in in your job, right? When you think about a Hildebrand or or somebody else, like, how does a leader that you trust looks like? What qualities those people have? Um, can you describe those for me? I'm chuckling because this was an exact question. Um, one of my leaders when I first met him at Altrix, and maybe you remember him, Fatty. Guy, I love that guy. Like he's another hard to give the shirt off my back for him, Fatty Basile. And he asked me when I, I brought him over the last company too, and I had him run the global support team. Keep yeah. in mind, he ran 
the EMEA pre-sales organization with some support experience. And people ask me, well, are you putting someone that ran pre-sales at running support? And I said, yeah, he has a support background, but guess what? What do customers complain about most in support? The support agent doesn't think about, really think about the customer and kind of have a sales hat on. And he called me up and he goes, oh, like I'm, I want to figure out, and it becomes even harder with a global team and your remote. How do I, how did, how do I figure out who I can trust? He's like, I learned from you. Like I got to figure out what leaders I can trust. And he goes, how did you know you could trust me? And I kind of chuckled and I said, cause I told him in the day, I go, that one of the biggest things I have with you is trust. You know, I'm 5,000 miles away. It's not like I could pop on a plane and be there in a couple hours. I go, it's, it's right. I have to trust you. And if I didn't trust you, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. And he's like, well, how did you know? And I said, you know, it's not any one thing that you did. A, I had to take the time to get to know you. I said, but it's also, I never had to worry about you, not like worry about you personally, but worry that you were doing the right things because invariably I would say, hey, we need to do this. You were already on it. You were already doing it. And when you didn't have a leader before me, you were doing those things that a leader was doing without even a title. And I, and one of the biggest things for me is they, he and one other guy, Jordan Barker, absolutely loved too. They had a, a leader that wasn't great and didn't show up, didn't do much. And you follow the breadcrumbs. And that's how you got to get to know the team. And they'd be like, well, you, did you get your certification? Like, yeah, well, why don't they? I don't know. Um, and they would kind of drop some breadcrumbs and, right. you know, and you got to follow those. And in fatty, I had to build trust with them where he, he finally opened up and said something, but it was so, he did it so politically correct. And it took me a while to figure, to get it out that it told me he's not someone that just goes, oh, Leo's this is that, and I can't, that, like, out of the gate. Because if somebody generally does that, I don't trust them. If you're willing to yeah. throw someone across that quick, yeah. there's something going on. And I go, that was probably one of the biggest things is, and I go, Fatty, make no mistake, I knew what was going on with this person. But it took you a while to come around. I go, that inherently gave me a lot of trust in you. I said, but it was all those things combined. So it's right. not one where I just trust you. It's getting to know you, open to feedback. You seek the feedback. You actively implement it. You know, we talk about things, you know, and, and you know, Colin Powell says, he's like, I expect my leaders to debate me. However, once we set and decide a direction, I expect them to follow through with it. Exactly. So yeah. all the debate, okay, you go about it in the right way. Like, you know, if you're sitting in a room with 10 people and, you know, someone starts going at you and you're their leader and it's like an embarrassing situation, that, that's a no-go. Like, you know, it's like step outside, right? Step outside and talk about yeah. it. So you got to yeah. trust. You got to build the trust. You got to be around the team to see how they speak of that person, that leader today. You got to, you got to see the unseen. You got to look for the breadcrumbs. And, yep. Yep. you know, it's also, you know, I had asked 
Scott one day at Altrix, and I was like, how's the pre-sales team doing? I was just curious what he'd say. And he goes, you know, this is the first software company I ever worked at where I never hear one problem. Hmm. And in the moment, I was like, you have anything good to say? But then I stopped and I was like, wait a minute, that's probably the greatest compliment he can give me. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because massive, not, massive compliment. Yeah. Things are going great. And I was like, yeah. that's a huge compliment. So you yeah. got to see what you see. Look yeah, and, and I like, I like, you know, you touch on a couple of my biggest pet peeves. It's not a pet peeve, but it's also a behavioral item that, you know, leaders that they can spend 15, 20 minutes with you and they undress three or four people in that conversation. That to me is like a huge red flag and they do it over and over again. Um, I have a very close case that, that that thing is just, it destroyed trust because I know that person's going to turn around and is going to do the same. And the, the other thing I, and I tell my leaders this is, I, I understand that you need a time and a place to discuss issues with your people, but do not throw people under the bus. Like you have one chance to talk about a person in particular, evaluate, but you don't have many chances as a leader to throw your people under the bus. You get, you know, you have the power to do stuff, right? So go do it. But right? you got to trust your leaders. And yeah. there's, Great Colin Powell story, if I can tell you, it takes just a minute or so. I think yeah, no, what, go ahead. Go ahead. He wrote a book, you know, What Worked for Me, Lessons Learned in Life and Leadership. And he opens the book up and he attests a lot of what he learned of being a leader from um, former president Ronald Reagan. And he said he was, uh, I think he was Secretary of State or Secretary of Defense. And he said one day he found himself in the Oval Office and he was briefing the president on this going on and that going on and this going on and that going on. And he goes, and I could tell he kind of wasn't paying attention. And he stopped me during the briefing with me and said, look, Colin, the squirrels came to get the food I left for them in the Rose Garden. And <laughs> Colin, I'm like, what the heck? I'm briefing the president of all these things going on. And he's looking at squirrels. And later on, President Reagan comes up to him and says, listen, Colin. I love you. I will sit here and listen to you and your problems all day long. You let me know when I have a problem and I'll stop staring at the squirrels. <laughs> and yeah. if you read like what he was saying was, Colin, I trust you. I, I trust you. Yeah. I put you in power. I trust you to take care of things. Take care of it. You know what to do. You know what the right thing is to do. If you really need me, let me know. Yeah. And I look at things yeah. that way. I got to have that trust with my leaders. If you don't have that, then either I'm seriously broken or they're the wrong person. Fantastic. Very powerful, very powerful piece of, of history there um, that, that represents what it means to, to give trust, right? And there are so many experiences that I've gone through where, you know, you're put in leadership positions, but then, you know, there's like a, this heavy surveillance almost and micromanaging that it's impairing. So look, Greg, we, we are about to hit the one hour mark and I can, I feel like it's been five minutes. So this is just fantastic. Um, well, I, we, I can see the landing strip. So we're, we're getting there. We're going to start landing this plane. And one of the questions I like to to start closing it is 
if you look back in your life um, when you were, you know, in your teenage years or a little bit later when it's those very heavy formative years, can you think about an experience back then that influenced the leader that you are today? That's a great question. Right? I, you know, was in college and dropped out partying and thought it was great and worked at a grocery store in Compton, even during the Rodney King riot, stocking shelves, and worrying about people coming to the door with shotguns. And I found myself one night, out of, I was out of college, and I was like, I'm going to work here, making great money, 20 years old. And I hear the little bell ring, and I run all the way up to the front. And it was some person in the middle of the night, like three in the morning, buying a single can of cat food. Hmm. And I remember thinking, this is not going to be my life. Hmm. So what am I going to do about it? Because you can sit there and get in the, you know, poor victims, and I get that, you know, you got to do something about it. You got to be willing to take a risk. And as, you know, talked to you before, it's like when people ask, how did you get to be where you are? It's like, well, work really hard, build great relationships, get to know everybody because you never know who someone's going to be or who they are. Right. And work on yourself. You know, one of your strengths also has always been understanding of the position of the AE and, and how to serve them. So, look, I, I can spend another hour, but I want to be respectful of your time. So I'm going to land just... Uh, taking a few seconds to celebrate you. I think this episode has been a master class in humane leadership. Um, you've you've taken an hour and 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 given the audience um, a complete B side from the metrics driven armchair manager to what you know the human side, the people focused leadership. And I I'm tremendously. Uh, grateful for allowing me to spend this time with you. And thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to talk to you. I'm sure the audience will love these. Thank you so much. Appreciate Honor. it. Honor. Take it easy, Leo. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like this or any other episode of On The Journey podcast, please subscribe, like, or comment in your favorite podcast platform. This episode of On The Journey's idea, writing, recording, and production was created by me, Leo Rodriguez, and it was edited by Martes Multimedia, owned by Ricardo Urdaneta. You can find Martes Multimedia or Ricardo Urdaneta through Upwork.